So today we are at the Africa FinTech Summit in DC and we are sitting down with Tayo of UC who is the founder of Paga, uh, which is the largest mobile um, payment network in Nigeria with over 8 million uh, users at the moment. Um, so Paga and um, Tayo and I happen to have known each other for a few years so it's good to catch up today and so Let's get started. Uh, yeah. Tayo, why don't you tell us about yourself? Like, yeah. uh, who is Tayo? Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's really nice to see you, see you again. Um, yeah, so um, maybe just a little bit of my background. I was born and raised in Nigeria, um, and I left when I was 16 to go to college in the US. Um, I studied electrical engineering, and then after that, I worked for a couple startups. I finished at the University of Southern California, worked for a couple startups in Los Angeles before I went to Deloitte Consulting in San Francisco then business school at Stanford Business School. Um, and then after that, I actually had a fantastic experience working with Cisco Systems in the acquisitions and venture team, which I think is really where, between that and Stanford, really where opened my eyes to the idea that the sky is the limit and like, you know, really about how do we change the world, solving big problems, big, hairy, audacious goals. Um, and, and I, you know, three years into um, Cisco, I had a, the, the itch to go back to the continent um, and to be part of the redevelopment of Nigeria. And I think that's really what got me uh, excited about going back home. Um, I joined a private equity firm there, and then I, um, I left that with a stronger desire about Nigeria and the opportunity of Nigeria, um, and looked at a variety of ideas before I honed in on what is now what is now Paga. And really, at Paga, we're trying to do two things. One is, how do we make it easy to send money from one person to the other, whether that is for personal remittance or paying for a business or you know whatever transaction you're trying to pay for. And the second is how do you deliver financial services to the mass market in a country where you have, I think, about 70, 70 million or so unbanked slash underbanked people. Um, so they are. So the question is how do you how do you achieve those two those two things? And so, so yeah. So I mean, I think fundamentally, I think of myself as um, as as an everyday guy who who is just trying to make his own little impact in the world. Yeah. yeah. So you you alluded to the founding of Paga. Mm. Uh, if you could walk us back to the earlier sure. days mm. uh, you were in private equity mm. uh, there are many sectors one could uh, uh, start in mm -hmm. why particularly fintech yeah and what drove you to start paga yeah so in fairness i didn't i didn't quite set out thinking i would do something in fintech um you know the first idea you know when i decided to leave my job i actually sat down and i wrote down 20 different ideas that i thought would be very viable in nigeria um, and I started going through one by one. I asked three friends of mine to meet with me on a, every other week, um, help me throw throw stones on, you know, at the ideas, etc. Um, and you know, and the the first idea was uh, was something that actually I'm I'm now you know is being done in Nigeria, which was a members only uh, private club. Um, you know, and just something that I felt I, I wanted to be part of in Nigeria. And actually now the Capital Club in Nigeria is starting and I'm, I'm one of the governors of that. So I'm very excited about that, that project. But, um, but the idea, point is I didn't start out thinking I was going to do FinTech. And actually when I got to the idea around what is now Paga, it was less about, I don't even think the word FinTech was being used back then. This is 2009. Um, for me, it was just like, it was actually the one idea I spent the least amount of time on before I was convinced. And really what convinced me was, I don't think Nigeria can ever be the economic juggernaut that it, that it has the potential to be if we don't solve payments 
and we don't get access to finance to people. So for me, I was like, wow, if this thing could be as successful as I imagined, we would have done, I would have done really well financially, but I would have also made significant impact on the country. And so for me, that was very exciting. Yeah. Okay. And um, just paint me the picture of the fintech space in Nigeria, mm -hmm. uh, when you started PAGA, and in Africa in general. Yeah. Uh, and what led you to actually be convinced, as you said, was it the numbers that add up? Was it more of the excitement to be involved in an innovative space? What attracted you, yeah. given that background? Yeah, so I think for me it was the it was solving the problem that I saw as a very big problem. Um, I was banked to multiple banks, and I and I and I wasn't able to pay for things conveniently. I had to carry a lot of cash with me, um, and realizing that most people actually have it worse than I do because they're not even banked in the first place. Um, when I started the business, a lot of people I got a lot of blank stares when I told people what I was trying to do. Um, people didn't understand the concepts, didn't really know what it was about. Um, but we we're very fortunate that we had a group of investors. Um, first of all, angel investors who believed in the idea, who got it, and and allowed us to start building the business. There was very little in terms of support. Uh, very little in terms of even regulatory support um, and having to explain to the regulators what we're doing, etc. Um, so it was actually very, it's a lot easier now to start a business in Nigeria, but I think then it was very, very difficult, especially in something where people just were not even as engaged or knowledgeable yeah. about what you were doing. Okay. And in terms of the landscape, be yeah. it regulatory, be it the fragmentation of the banking mm -hmm. system, mm -hmm. and being the legislation in Nigeria that didn't allow mm. uh, Telco operators Correct. themselves Correct. to be uh, payment Correct. facilitators. Like, w walk me through it. What yeah. was the picture? Yeah. So, so look, I think the one thing the, reg the Nigerian regulator did at the time is they they looked at what's going on in different parts of the world, and they said, okay, we are in a country where most people do not have identification. So, how do we allow people to use this technology? Um, so they developed very well um, a three-tier KYC, know your customer rule. So with a name and phone number, you could use a mobile money wallet and you could transact on it. And then if you had ID, you could transact higher. And then if you had another set of ID, you could transact even higher, right? Um, and so that was really good. The one thing they did do, which you said, is that they explicitly excluded the mobile operators from being in this business. And and, and I actually think from, from a risk management perspective for a central bank, that was actually a wise decision for Nigeria. Um, because in Nigeria, A, we do not have any telco that owns 80% of the market. All Nigerians carry more than one phone on multiple networks. And what you have seen, it's interesting, a lot of people talk about the example of M-Pesa, but even Safaricom has never been able to repeat the success of M-Pesa anywhere else. Not because they've not tried. They've tried in Tanzania, they've tried in South Africa, they've tried in Afghanistan, they've tried in India, it has not worked. Um, so people miss out the reasons why Safaricom was able to succeed in Kenya, yeah. which is very different for MTN and for anyone else. Um, but from a government perspective, when you're looking at the space as a reg from a regulatory point of view, you do not want to create silos to achieve financial inclusion, right? Um, and you want to uh, create services that allow for everyone to be able to transact. So what do I mean? So if I am on MTN, I should be able to, without worrying about it, transact with someone who is on Etisalat, um, transact with someone on Airtel, 
in fact, if I have multiple phone numbers, I should be able to move my phone number and my money move with me yeah. across networks. It shouldn't be dependent on the network or on the channel we're using. And if I can access that thing through an internet connected device, why not? And that's actually the principle that I think as a regulator you ought to take to then achieve financial inclusion. So how do you reach the mass market? So one, you have digital products that do what I just said. But second and very important is that you build out a nationwide network of what we call agents. And this is the human touch that I think you need to be able to convert people from using cash to digital. Because the agents are in the local communities and they talk to people and say, yes, you should do it this way, it's safe, this yeah. is how it works. And if there's an issue, talk to me, right? And so that human touch, we cannot overlook it yeah. to building this out. So, you know, so I think the regulator in Nigeria has got this right. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of people, you know, those ones, I, I had a very interesting experience with uh, someone from the US Treasury Department. And she said to me, you know, Taya, why, you know, we're in Aspen at a conference, and she said, you know, why is the Nigerian regulator not allowed telcos into mobile money? And I looked at her and I said, why is the US Treasury Department not allowed AT&T into mobile money? Yeah. And she was just blank faced. I'm like, why do you think it's good for us and not good for you? Yeah. Right. Um, and so actually, the Nigerian regulator has taken a position that is actually the norm in the world. Yeah. The exception are these places where telcos have been allowed allowed in. And then the other thing is, when you think of Nigeria and the sheer size of Nigeria, sometimes it's very hard for people to comprehend. But by 2050, this is going to be you know, a country that's bigger than the United States. Yeah. right? And, uh, and you move forward a little bit further, it's going to be the second largest country in the world. You know, I usually ask people, I'm like, you know, how many of you think China is a big deal? And they all raise their hand. I'm like, Nigeria is going to be bigger than China. Yep. And people are like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to be in China. So we should be comparing ourselves not to Kenya, which with all due respect to my Kenyan friends, um, is the size of Lagos. Yeah. Right. Uh, we should be comparing ourselves to India, to China, to Brazil, to Russia, you know, US, not, not Kenya. Kenya. Yeah. All right. Um, we, we, we talked about the early days of Paga. Yep. Uh, now, Paga is a big company. Uh, you have uh, I still think we're a startup. Okay, you are still a startup, <laughs> so is Google. Is but you have yeah. more customers than most major banks. Um, what, what is Paga today? Uh, is, is, and what is the ultimate objective with Paga in yeah. terms of product offerings Correct. and in terms of what you are planning to yeah. become? So Paga today, um, we sort of think about it from two perspectives. The first one is that for anyone who is bad, we want Paga to be a companion to your bank account. We work with the banks. We want you to link your bank account, to save your debit cards, local or international, and then be able to transact wherever Paga is accepted without giving your details out to any website or to any physical merchant. So we work in both in the space of online and in-store payments. Um, and, and make it easy for you to send money to anyone using their phone number um, and transact with anybody. On the other side, through our agent network, we've built a network of about 15,000 agents now. We're in 36 states of Nigeria. Um, we want to be able to reach the mass market through the agents um, and ensure that people can access financial services through our platform. And for that, we partner with financial service firms as well. So as an example, on April 2nd, we launched a savings product in partnership with a financial institution called Sankore. Um, and with no marketing yet, we're actually about to launch the marketing in a few weeks, but with no marketing, we already achieved in a week and a half 4,000 new users on the savings product. So we see the opportunity for us to work with banks, 
and other financial service providers to offer savings, to offer lending, to offer insurance, and a variety of financial services through the platform and the ecosystem that we're building. Um, Otayo, just now looking into the future mm -hmm. and the competitive forces you are fighting against, who are your competitors today? And would you foresee being your competitors in 10 years' time? Uh, because from my perspective, you have Facebook that likely has more members than you do in Nigeria. If pay Facebook were to start offering some type of payment system using the platform, would that be a direct competitors to yours? And is it mostly because they're digital and you have an agent on the ground that would be your competitive advantage? Yeah, so, I mean, look, it's hard to say who our competitors will be in 10 years. Um, the reality is that things are moving so fast that we are always going to have to pay attention to what's going on in the market. And, and frankly, we're going to have to disrupt ourselves at some point as well. Uh, and so we have to be ahead of, ahead of that. And that's sort of how we, we think about this. Um, you know, but, but today we have different types of competitors um, because everything we do was being done some other way before. So we're really trying to change behavior of people. Um, so, you know, um, on one hand, the examples are, you know, competitors are people do payments by walking to go stand in queue at a bank, banking hall, of which there are not that many of them. You know, so that's a bit of a competitor. Sometimes, you know, it's people standing to go stand in line at the electric utilities office, right? But then you have companies, um, if you look at our agent business, you have some companies that are also looking to build out agent networks. So they compete directly with us on the agent business. And there are at least nine other companies that are trying to do that. Yeah. Um, and then if you look at the digital wallet space, they are 23 companies with licenses for digital wallets in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, all at very different stages of what they're doing or if not doing anything. But we, you know, um, you know, for us, I think where we are is we focus a lot on ourselves. We pay attention to what our competitors are doing, but we focus a lot on ourselves and say, what do we want to do? And we try not to be, not to move because a competitor did something, especially when it comes to pricing. We just feel like that's a zero-sum game, like there's no point playing that game, that we offer a value proposition that is beyond pricing. Um, and that we do our, our darndest best to make sure that value proposition is clear to everybody who uses our platform. Now, in terms of Facebook, um, the PayPal's of the world, the Ant Financials of the world, Alipay, etc. You know, my view is that these companies will eventually look at Africa, will eventually look at Nigeria because of the sheer size of the future opportunity, and they will bring whatever platforms to bear that they can. However, payments is a very local game. Um, and we think that as we build out the scale of that agent network and people using our wallet, then we will be a perfect partner for these companies, right? So rather than us start Paga WhatsApp or Paga Chat, you know, um, let's just use WhatsApp, yeah. right? Um, there's already Messenger. Yeah. Let's use Messenger. Why can't we do payments on Messenger, right? Why can't we do payments on WhatsApp? Why can't we be in the in Apple Pay, right? Um, why can't we be in the Uber app? Why can't we be in all these different things? And so, you know, our perspective to them, and we've built, and we think of what we're doing as base as infrastructure. Yeah. Um, there's something that we recently announced to the public called Paga Connect, um, and this is very innovative. What we've done is um, we've built an OAuth 2.0 implementation where any third party can integrate this and immediately get one-click payments to Paga wallets. 
um, and can you know do all the different transactions that we do on behalf of the customer. And there's so many different use cases. We have a gaming company using it for in-app payments in the game. We have a cloud payroll solution using it for disbursements of payments um, in, in their in their in their payroll solution. Um, we have you know companies like Uber looking at it for doing in-app in their in their payment in their apps. So that one infrastructure that we've built can be used for so many different scenarios Um, and and we're going to be announcing some of those partnerships later this quarter okay so it sounds like the space is getting crowded in Nigeria is consolidation the way forward and if so what's what uh, are your priorities between organic growth versus acquisition in the near future look I don't think it's going to be consolidation for fintech is there's a lot of hype on fintech in Nigeria especially Um, and a lot of people because APIs are available feel like oh I can quickly build a gateway I can quickly do this but the market can only take so many of those things so I actually expect to see at some point a lot of companies really just die off right Um, and and I think you know it's not about technology it's about how do you go after the market and how do you get people to use your product and how do you deliver value to them, okay. right? And it's very difficult. Yeah. And so I say with all humility because I know how difficult it is. Um, and I know for us, we just, that's why I say we, we focus on ourselves a lot and just stay heads down and say, how do we just continue improving ourselves and improving ourselves? And I fundamentally believe that every system can be improved. Yeah. So, um, and that's a bit of engineering in me that we can just improve everything. So there's never a perfect system. So yeah. how do we continue improving? Um, and so, but then, but then the reality too is that there's so many things that um, we're not going to do and that we're going to partner with people on. Yep. And, and I think that's where it's very exciting for me. It's like, you know, the savings product I mentioned, we partnered with an asset manager. Yep. I can see a number of things that we could partner with banks on, mm-hmm. a number of things we could partner with other fintechs doing lending on, yep. right? That's not our expertise. That's not necessarily what we want to be. But we have an ecosystem yep. where those things can be plugged into. Um, so I see room for a lot of partnership, and I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that. Yep. Um, and less direct competition in certain things. Okay. We talked about the telco ecosystem Mm -hmm. that is kept out of your market Mm -hmm. because of regulation. Mm -hmm. Uh, How about the banking side? Um, At this conference, we have seen a presentation by Wima Bank, which is a digital bank, Mm -hmm. which pretty much is trying to keep the client uh, by offering services you you are currently offering. So... Is there complementarity yeah. or is it competition? And no, so I, how do you see it going forward? Yeah, I see it as complementary, right? Yeah. So, you know, the example I always give the banks when I meet with them is Bank of America. As last time I checked, Bank of America had about, what, 14 million or so active mobile banking subscribers, um, of which I'm one of them. Um, and But yet I also have my PayPal on my phone. And sometimes I use PayPal. Mm-hmm from the same Bank of America account, and sometimes I use Bank of America, right? Even after they came out with Zelle, I still use PayPal, right? And so there's a value proposition that still works for everybody. And so our conversation with even Alat as an example is, why why can't someone who has an Alat account go cash in at a Paga agent? And cash out at a Paga agent. Alat, why would you spend money building agent network when we've done it? Come and partner with us. Yeah. Why can someone who, why can why can't we have someone who has a Paga wallet, mm-hmm. open an Alat account, 
hey, he offered, he's offering 10%. That's awesome. Yeah. Bring it to us. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll bring you that customer. And it's your customer as well. Yeah. You have the full information on this person, full KYC. It's okay. your customer. You can reach them. Yeah. Um, and why can they just use the Paga wallet as well seamlessly? So okay. wherever Paga goes, Alat also goes. Yeah. So we see opportunity for working with the banks very closely. Mm-hmm. And I think the banks are starting to get that. Okay. And but f- are you considering getting a banking license given that you're expanding in savings and banking-like activities? Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Yes. You are not. Why is that? I mean, look, I mean, you know, being in a regulated business is very, has a, it's very costly and yeah. very, very expensive. And no, it's not even about the, the, the um, capitalization requirements. Yeah. Because um, you can raise money for that. Yeah. Right. But it's the costly of all the different compliance rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, no, we don't want to be a bank. Okay. We want the bank to be the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to offer financial services to the mass market. Yeah. Um, partnering with with the with the other players. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Lagos is a big market, uh, twenty five million. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it where you are focusing most of your time and energy, or are you trying to branch out to the rural area? Like, what is the breakdown of the fifteen thousand agents you yeah. have? Uh, all over Nigeria. So we actually have agents in every state. Okay. Um, but Lagos does have a majority. So we have about four thousand agents in Lagos. Okay. Um, but honestly, I think we could have our entire fifteen thousand in Lagos, yeah. and we would just be covering. Lagos. I don't even think we'd have fully covered Lagos, mm-hmm. right? I think there's so much room there. Um, but the way the we've strategically said to ourselves, we cannot just be Lagos centric. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we have built out, and actually we're now about to embark on an even larger scale build, build out of our agent network. Our goal in, by 2020 is we will have north of 80,000 agents on our platform. Right? Okay. Um, so that's an aggressive aggressive rollout that we're, we're about kicking off now. But the beauty is that we know how to do this thing now. Okay. We've learned the hard way um, and we feel really confident in our ability to scale that. And yep. so we're also excited that our investors, people like Goodwell, invest, who are fintech investors at Level Capital or Media Network are very excited about funding that growth yeah. right, and, that, and that scale. Okay, and in terms of a breakdown between urban versus rural? We have about 80% in urban um, and then about 20% in what we call semi-urban or, or peri-urban, you know, slash rural. Okay. Yeah. And why is that? Um, I mean, I think fundamentally it's, first of all, going to where the market opportunity is. Yeah. Right. Um, in Nigeria, across the country overall, I mean, if you any ten people you meet, seven of them don't ha- are unbanked or underbanked, right? And yeah. they and have and even those who are banked have need for the service as well. So um, it's about starting where we know we can get the business to profitability, mm-hmm. which we did Q two of last year, which is very exciting for us because it now gives us the opportunity to actually um, build out on our own mm-hmm. merit, right, yeah. um, and in our own pace. Um, so. So then now, um, in working with the banks and the Central Bank of Nigeria, there's a new intervention fund mm-hmm. that is actually going to help us go to the more rural north okay. of Nigeria um, to be able to offer our, our agent services there, especially because there's some exciting use cases where we're looking to partner with people on around solar, okay. right, um, and working with the government on the rural electrification project. Mm-hmm. Um, we just kicked off something with them in in. Uh, in Kano, where you know we're doing rural electrification of a market, working with Rensource and with the government, um, and then looking to scale that pilot yeah. um, as we roll out agents across the north. Okay, you talk a lot about your agent. Can mm-hmm. you describe 
to me what is your relationship with your agent is it an uber like relationship or are mm. they your actual employees i don't think i like the example uber like <laughs> <laughs> we're not uber like okay okay even though i used uber as an example but i mean no we are partners with uber so but yeah. i i just i say that tongue in cheek um we're big fans of the company and i think the potential of what they've brought um is 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 interesting so anyways um i mean i think for us the relationship is one where the retail the agents are independent retailers okay um, so they're not contractors of ours. We have an agreement mm-hmm. um, and they use our platform. Yeah. And there's certain rules of engagement to use our platform. Okay. And, and there, there's actually a very clear rule book of if you don't do things this way, this is the punishment for, for okay. that, right? Um, but it's a yin and a yang. They're the lifeblood of, of our business. Yeah. And so we, um, are, we look at it that we're partners um, and we're very open with them um, in all discussions. Yeah. Um, and we approach it with all humility because these are mo- all entrepreneurs in their own right yeah. who are very focused on building a future for themselves. Yeah. Um, I give you the example of Tjat, who um, was one of our top five agents last year, um, and just three years ago he was selling Yoruba films, right? And this is someone who has an accounting degree, and he was out selling Yoruba films, and then he met one of our staff members. Um, got excited about the opportunity and when he was recounting the story to me recently he said you know what excited him about it is that we were going to enable him to become like a bank in his community nice the place where people come to so today three years later Tijat is one of the top five agents he has um, I think about four locations of his own and is hiring 12 people um, and I know how much he's making on this platform. He's doing very well, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and that just excites me because that's like, you know, we've not only, you know, he said, you know, he said to me, he said, you've made the sky possible for me. Is that how he put it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we're not only just empowering one person and, and his entire family, yeah. but all these other 12 people who are now also empowered through him and then the community around them. Yeah making their life easier, making life possible for them, yeah. right? So so to me, that's the impact of, of sort of what we do community after community. Yeah. Let's get back to the early days of mm. starting Paga. Yeah. And if you were to be uh, back in your shoes back then, what yeah. kind of advice would you give yourself to mm. avoid some of the pitfalls you might have fallen into? And, you know, to take that question further, a lot of our listeners are MBA students. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of them are Africans. Mm-hmm. And they are just in your situation as you were back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at uh, midpoint in their careers. They're exploring entrepreneurship. What kind of advice would you have for them in terms of defining the business idea, mm-hmm. what kind of investors to yeah. get, and, you know, the level of realism to keep as yeah. they build the idea? Honestly, I think on my journey, I've been very fortunate to meet some fantastic people who have, for whatever reason, believed in me, believed in our, in what we're trying to accomplish, um, and and really help along the way. Um, the first thing I would say is um, probably one of the best advice I got early on um, was was from Kanye Dolmo, who's a friend of mine um, and a fantastic um, entrepreneur out of South Africa, um, and she said, you know. Don't spend too much time on the business plan, Tayo, trying to get it perfect. She's like, just think, what do you need to do next to move this idea forward? Do it. Once you do it, think again, what what do you need to do next to move forward? Mm -hmm. Go do that. And just keep going and going. And before you know, you're making progress and you're demonstrating progress. Um, And I thought that was the best thing. I mean, we did not do a full business plan on Paga until our Series A, which was in, we did this, we closed the Series A in 2012. 
and I started in 20, 20, 2009. And by then, we knew the business very well, right? Um, and so we were, you know, were able to actually write a proper business plan. Um, so it would have been a waste of time doing it in 2009. So I think that's one. I think, I think the other thing is team is so important. Yeah. Um, and every day, I'm so grateful for Jay Alabraba, my co-founder, um, and just the, you know, the the wisdom he brings and the you know the maturity he brings to our to our work and our partnership um, is fantastic for me and I learn a lot from him every every, every day. A lot of times I go to him, I'm like, should I do X? And he's like, no. <laughs> you know, there was one recently where I sent him a WhatsApp just yesterday, and and then he sent us a very laughing you know smiley face. Yeah. And then I said, but he didn't say if I should do it. He's like, yeah. oh, I would advise no. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, God, that sucks. But you know, it's funny. Like, yeah. I should do that. You know, yeah. um, so he tempers me a lot, which yeah. is which is great. Um, you know, but bringing him on was was just fantastic, right? Because um, you know, and 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 early days, also the first person I brought on, Aisha, was just awesome as well. Because like it was, you know, just focusing on getting people who believe in the mission. Yeah who are smarter than you and who are looking to move this thing forward. Yeah. And every time that is what we try to do in building our team and taking time in building the team and, and in trying to pull the team together. And today we have about 200 people who are just amazing and just running and doing the business. And, and, and so, so for me, it's also about how do we ensure that for them, it's the best place to work, et cetera. But in the early days, I think that team is even more critical mm -hmm. and not worrying about titles. Okay. In fact, if you can avoid having titles, don't have titles. Yeah. Just divide and conquer mm -hmm. um, and move move forward. Um, and so, so I think that's important. I think the other thing I would say is as you reach out to investors and bring people on board, keep them very close. Okay. The investors are investing in you, investing in mostly at the beginning, yeah. um, investing in the idea, mm -hmm. leverage them. One of the big mistakes I made was I was carrying a lot of the burden myself um, until really a day where I had heart palpitations. <laughs> like, wow. You know, and I, I didn't know what that felt, what feeling was, and then I called my doctor. Like she's like, "Oh my God, you had heart palpitations, right?" Wow. Um, and then I realized that there are all these people who, yes, I'd been you know always meeting with my investors and advisors, etc. But I need to share that burden with them. Yeah. Like the issues are not my issues alone. It's yeah. all of us. We're in this thing together. Yeah. And it was even for me a reminder of my favorite uh, proverb, yeah. which is if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. Yeah. That actually I need to live that. <laughs> you know, and not just say it, and but actually live it in how I deal with issues. Okay. And, and so those would be, my, those would be the things I would advise. Okay. Yeah. Um, and talking about your investors, mm -hmm. can you... Uh, tell us about your early investors sure. and you know, I know you had a few rounds of funding sure. thus far mm -hmm. and going forward Are they looking for a liquidity event? And if so, what is the plan? Yeah, so in the early days we um, we have actually have about 34 angel investors in our um, You know um, our cap table, so it's quite a lot, mm -hmm. but um, Incredibly great for all of them. Um, most of them came in in 2009 2010 mm -hmm. um, and you know and the gentleman who was the first money in was my former boss. Um, and so it was a big endorsement to have actually then two former bosses actually invest in the business. Yep. I think that was a big endorsement to people. Okay. So I also say to people that just do good work wherever you are because you just never know where it takes you. Yep. Um, there's no better endorsement than someone puts their heart and money in, in your business. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I think that was very helpful for me and, and for the team and the people who just believed in us along the way. Yep. And then, you know, I always describe when it comes to, even though they're an institutional investor, I always describe this 
particular investors are are angels, okay. um, and and there and there and there are three of them. Um, but it's Goodwell, um, Goodwell Investments. Um, it's a partnership between a Dutch fund and, and a Nigerian manager, Alithia Capital. Uh, and Tukumbo Ishmael um, is on our board, and you know we wouldn't be here if not for them. Okay. I mean, they invested north of a million dollars before we got a license, um, and were just fantastic in believing in believing in us, um, and have just continued to support us um, tremendously along, okay. along the way. And so Els and Wim being her other partners. Um, and then, of course, we have, in our Series A was led by At Level Capital, Omedia Network came in, Acumen Fund, yeah. um, and these are all have all been very fantastic investors for us as well. Um, so in Capricorn, and so we're, we're very grateful for, for, for all of those. And so over the years, I think for us, it's been about finding um, people who believe in the mission that we're trying to accomplish and believe in the team and, 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 and give us the ghost to keep going. Um, recently, we turned nine years old since I started the business, yep. even though it's five years to the market, yep. but nine years old. And, and it, it hit me that, that those first four years where we're not to the market, we were working hard every day. Yep. And the only way we were able to do that with a team was we had the investors and we've never, knock on wood, never missed a day of, pay, of salary payments, right? Yeah. I mean, I've had at least one that I can remember where two days before I didn't know where the money was coming from, <laughs> but, um, but it came through. Yeah. Um, but knock on wood, we've never, you know, we've never missed it, you okay. know? And so we're very grateful to the people who've, who've supported us. And so for me, and this is why I say to other people as well, is you have to make sure you do right by them. Yeah, yeah that's so critical. Okay. All right. Um, let's zoom out a, a bit more uh, and talk about the fintech space in general, mm -hmm. yep. be it in Africa, in mm -hmm. Nigeria in particular. Yeah. Uh, what do you see as the key themes going forward? Yeah. Uh, is the payment uh, play outplayed? Uh, is there you know, any other theme you think will yeah. emerge in the next couple of years? Look, I think the core infrastructure payment side is, 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 is pretty much there. I mean, I find it hard to think of another company coming in into, into that space. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly wouldn't invest in that company. Um, so I think there are other themes like lending that is starting to really pick up steam. And even there, we're seeing different variants of yeah. it. And I see lending as just a big market. So I don't think it's a winner-take-all yeah. kind of opportunity. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of different things happen happen in lending. I see insurance tech being something that's going to really pick up um, on, the, on the fintech side. Um, so I think, um, you know, People like to talk of agri-tech. Um, I haven't gotten my hands around <laughs> really what agri-tech means, yeah. but um, you know. But I, I definitely can see things around insurance and simplifying it, and really, you know. But I think there it's not about the technology. I think, um, especially in Nigeria, um, I think there's just a, an aversion to buying insurance yeah. that has to be overcome. Um, but yeah, so I, I think there are going to be a lot of different areas of fintech that people will, you know, will um, innovate in, mm -hmm. leveraging existing infrastructure that, okay. it, that that is there yeah um and it's hard to say you know what the all the ideas would be there's some people talking about ai bots right <laughs> um you know there are people who are thinking about you know cryptocurrencies and blockchain and, yeah. and things like that and and so for me it's exciting to just see all of those things coming coming together okay. um and i think broadly across africa i mean i for me what just always rings true is that it's not about technology. So even if the technology exists, you have to make sure that it's matching the market timing. Yep. And I think that's what's going to be most critical for whoever's going to be successful. Okay. Um, one last question, okay. which is more of a personal question. Mm -hmm. What does Tayo do uh, when he's not working on Paga? Wow. 
if you ask my wife that, she would say I'm always thinking of <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, lately, honestly, I've been really bad, um, and I've been trying to change that a little bit. But um, I guess in some ways I've been good. I mean, like I. I try to um, to read. Um, so this year, I've actually I feel like this year is the year of me reading um, Nigerian authors. I've yep. read four amazing books um, yep. by Inedi Okorafor and um, and uh, Tommy. I forget Tommy's last name now, but she wrote a. Uh, you know, The Children of Blood and Bone, which I, I highly recommend. It's yeah. a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then now I'm reading something more comedic, which is uh, Catch-22, okay. which is a, a old... So I try to read. Um, I also try to run, mm-hmm. um, and I'm getting back into doing that. Yeah. Um, and then just spend time with my wife and uh, and our lovely dog. <laughs> so, nice. um, and just really chill. I'm, I'm actually a bit of a homebody. Okay. Um, and, and so I try to watch football. So anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I'm either tweeting so, about Chelsea football, uh, which I, I want that. to own one day. Yeah. Um, and so Abramovich <laughs> and I have to talk. Um, and, um, you know, so it's either I'm tweeting about that or, or trolling the <laughs> Arsenal fans um, and the Man- Manchester United fans. Yeah. Um, and then once in a blue moon, you know, I troll politicians as well. <laughs> and so uh, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm very, you know, I, I, I think I probably come across as a very outspoken yeah. person. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I just, I really don't care what people think you know, yeah. at some level. Um, and I think I just have to speak truth to power and, um, and be very candid in what you, what you think is right. Okay. Thank you very much, Tayo, for your time. No. Absolutely, it was a real pleasure, and it's really nice uh, uh, seeing you um, again after so many years. And yeah, so, thank you, yeah, and uh, congratulations on your award. Thank Tayo you. Tayo has won the uh, Africa FinTech Summit Innovation Award uh, 2018, and uh, we congratulate you for it. And thank you very uh, much thank you for your time.